0: Business, the blog and podcast for game changers and innovators in the construction industry.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the AEC Business Podcast. I'm Arnie Heiskanen and my guest is David Mellott, the CEO and Chief Architect of AI Space Factory. Welcome, David, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Arnie. I saw your presentation at Recotec, the leading Nordic Proptic event, two weeks ago I could relate to your story because as a school kid, I was enthusiastic about space exploration. I watched the moon landings live and so on, but not everybody shared the enthusiasm. Many said that the money spent on space travel could have been better used on the planet Earth. Have you still encountered any of that attitude lately?
0: Yeah, that's a a, a question that we get a lot. And I think that's one of the reasons why after we designed our, our Mars habitat, we very quickly designed the first Earth version. And you know, the, the whole idea is space is such an extreme use case that propels the technology forward, and especially when it comes to construction. Uh, you know, construction you know, globally really hasn't changed that much uh, since the you know, machine age, and let's call it like the Bauhaus, and when Europe was you know, first industrializing, Um, and and introducing manufacturing into construction and i I think it it essentially hasn't changed that much since that point Um, space provides this extreme use case where we can sort of take the next quantum leap forward in construction and you know so the interesting thing about when you're thinking about how to build on mars it it led to a solution uh, for building more sustainably on earth
1: you have a career uh, and background in in earthly architecture as well so you have designed some of the world's tallest towers but uh, w- what's wrong with the way we build today on 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 this planet
0: yeah so on one hand you know we need to build uh, these massive buildings in parts of the world uh, where there are growing populations and rising urbanization and and these are kind of like mega trends that you know, need to be addressed, right? Um, So on on one hand, the density is good, but we really haven't thought how we can change construction to achieve that in a sustainable way. So like I said, we're using the same construction technologies for a time when, you know, frankly, we had, the world had less people, right? Um, Cities were smaller. And now the problem is just being scaled up um, every year, year after year, um, something like 200,000 people per day are moving into cities, right? And <laughs> construction as it is right now is not equipped to handle that kind of scale in a sustainable manner. And and that's what I've really come to believe. Um, so in my background as a, as a skyscraper architect, I, I know exactly how these buildings are put together and what kind of materials go into them and what the we call the embodied energy uh, footprint of these buildings are. And, and so we need to address that. And I think it begins fundamentally in rethinking the materials of buildings.
1: During your presentation, you, you talked about the NASA competition on Mars construction. Uh, can you tell us a little bit what led you to take part in that competition?
0: Yeah, so so like you, Arnie, I really was uh, really so fascinated about space uh, ever since I was a kid, and uh, I was born on July 20, like five years after the moon moon landing. Um, so I, somehow I felt like you know it's always my my mission to somehow go up into space. Um, but, but unfortunately, like maybe the you know sort of defining space moment of my sort of my generation's uh, growing up was the Challenger disaster, right? And mm. Just when the space shuttle uh, exploded, and a lot of kids were watching because it was like the first school teacher, uh, Kristen McAuliffe, who was on board that. So actually, mm. it sort of affected a lot of uh, sort of let's say aspiring astronauts of my of my generation, right? Um, and if you think about like how rapidly um, sort of NASA was advancing into space, you know, like the Mercury program, and then you know Apollo was was in '69, right? 1969 yeah. and Challenger was 86. It felt like, you know, up until that point things were moving fast, and then it's sort of like everything just, you know, put the brakes on sort of space exploration, and uh, things became a little bit more conservative after that. Um, and and so the whole idea about building in space, I, I think, really hasn't reemerged until very recently, um, and probably due to the efforts of, of SpaceX and Elon Musk. Mm. Uh, their push towards uh, reusable rocketry um, you know now it's you know and then blue origin following suit so there's this whole like new space ecosystem that's different from like say the original one which was government and nasa right so now it's about private companies innovation people having to move faster right uh, in order as there commercial enterprises right and, and suddenly it opens up the, the possibility that yes I and mean, Buildings in space are are something that we're going to need, um, you know. Maybe not tomorrow, but you know, in, in, in several years or at least a couple of decades from now, it's something that in my lifetime uh, will definitely happen. Uh, it's, it's something that's sort of like it's going to happen again. I think thanks to SpaceX and Blue and and NASA and others as well. So, um, so so the opportunity timing is really good. I think to sort of start thinking about these issues again, um, and. Yeah, and then it was sort of like during the same time that, that NASA um, announced this challenge. It's an open-to-the-world competition uh, called the Mars 3D Printed Habitat Challenge. Um, and it had design phases, but it also had construction phases of a prototype. And, and so it was in the context of that, um, that, we, you know, that that my company began to really focus on this specific issue about how you build on Mars.
1: You also showed, and I, I've seen the video of the the last round of the of the competition, which was very nerve wracking, but also <laughs> also rewarding. Uh, but what what happened there?
0: <laughs> yeah, so you know the NASA Challenge, uh, the Mars Three D Printed Habitat Challenge, started with something like over a hundred teams, okay? um, and uh, it was. So sort of the number of teams got reduced uh, through the design phases. Um, but when it came to the construction phase, and just to clarify what that is, is we, we had to 3D print a 15 foot tall uh, prototypes, so about a 4.5 4. meter tall um, prototype um, you know, at the NASA facility in 30 hours, okay? Um, and you know, all of our equipment had to be sent there and set up in one day. Um, so it was almost like this rehearsal for a building on Mars, right? Mm. Um, but it was, you know, by that point, it was just only us and one other team. And, and NASA was concerned that actually nobody would show up <laughs> or nobody would finish because the requirements were so difficult. Um, you know, two teams dropped off like in the very last month mm. that we are aware of. So at the very end, it, it was more like a sports match because it was <laughs> us, Printing a red egg, and then there was a team uh, printing a white sort of pyramid, um, and it was timed, and it was in front of a public audience, and uh, we really it came down to the wire. We finished like in the last seconds.
1: But the other team used concrete.
0: That's right. So yeah, ours like when I said red and white is because our our print was literally red. Okay, Mm. and. we are printing um, with a composite of a biopolymer, PLA specifically, and the salt fiber. Okay? And the composite action of these two materials gives the structure an incredibly high strength. And uh, remarkably, it's also a recyclable material because it's it's not a... Chemical curing process. It's a thermoplastic extrusion process. Mm-hmm. So, so you you put the material back under the right um, heating conditions, and we can we can reprint the structures even after we're done. And and that's a significant advantage over concrete, which is a pretty much a single-use material. And so the team in white, and I, I call them the white team because they they were printing in concrete. And it's, it's very interesting to see the sort of the Contrast in those two applications, right? They're both three D printed, sort of habitat prototypes, but one in concrete and one in this biopolymer uh, composite, and um, you know, different amount, like different strength characteristics. Um, you know, there's certain advantages. Concrete was faster; like they did finish before us, uh, but ours was more precise because we're it's sort of more like um, you know, painting with the. Tooth uh, painting with the paintbrush very slowly uh, whereas concrete sort of pumps things out at greater speeds um, so concrete has is faster but we were stronger and, um, but I think for me really the the main point is is it comes down to the sustainability and so if you look at biopolymers and what those are like these are renewable resources so it's made from you know agricultural products or even bio waste I think and you know if you can you know take waste products as set Actually, and then convert them into building materials, uh, and then the buildings themselves are recyclable. You know, now now we're looking at introducing uh, circular thinking into construction, uh, which is really, really what we have to be doing as a kind of civilization. Is is really moving construction from where it is today, which is all about processing raw materials and single use application, and when the building is demolished, most of it goes to waste. That's the current sort of linear linear thinking and construction we, we really must move beyond that uh, to, to introduce these circular processes into construction if we want to be sustainable as a species so you know when when i talk about building our multiplanetary future it's not just mars it's earth for right? <laughs> yeah. how we're going to build earth um,
1: yeah but one thing uh, that i i wonder is uh, because when you're using concrete uh for 3D printing don't you need to have some sort of uh, rebar in in fact in order to get it uh, the 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 structural strength that you're looking for
0: correct correct so so concrete needs rebar so concrete's good in compression mm. uh, which is a force that sort of typically acts down um, but buildings are susceptible to tension and bending and all sorts of stuff so so concrete reinforced so concrete typically in a, in a building, a large building will be reinforced concrete yeah, to steel yeah. you know and, and and you know when we looked at this challenge of building on Mars, and you know one of the biggest forces was not compressive force, it was the outward expansion of the air on the inside of the habitat, which is an earth like atmosphere and, and the Martian atmosphere is very thin, so the forces actually want to work from the inside outwards and, and those are not uh compressive forces um, so, so you know, and the idea of, of, of printing concrete on another planet, like you know, I, I've heard ideas about waterless concrete and sulfur concrete, but it, it's not going to solve these issues about you know needing reinforcement. And and so, I think the benefit of the material that we're looking at is because it, it is a, a fibrous material. These these fibers tend to, uh, when they print, they kind of align in the direction of the flow. Mm. Um, so when you're 3D printing it, it tends to like you know take all those microfibers, whether it's the salt fiber or fiberglass like this, uh, they they sort of line up in the direction of the flow. They begin to kind of in, interlock with each other, and this provides a tensile capacity. So, I mean, when, when we tested our material in tension, it was 45 stronger, uh, 45 times stronger than concrete, mm-hmm.
1: which okay. is pretty
0: significant. Uh, in in compression, about maybe you know 1.5 to 3, depending on. You know what kind of concrete uh, you're talking about, um, but but it's interesting that it actually has tensile capacities.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I saw that the uh, the organizers had difficulty in uh, demolishing your uh, creation.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they did. Uh, it's, I think both because the the egg-like geometry of of the habitat sort of distributed the loads nicely when the you know the big construction excavator pushed down on the top. Um, so yeah, it it really performed as as well as intended. So I, I think structurally, and sustainably, we've really hit on something which is great. Um, but there's lots of other things we need to do to make a building uh, sort of this it Earth rated, you know, or habitable. On.
1: But how did you come up with that material that that uh, that you use?
0: Well, it's you know, you know, NASA. Being NASA, they kind of invented this uh, scoring matrix, you know, when it came to the competition. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the whole premise is, is uh, you know, printing on Mars from materials that we find on Mars as mm-hmm. the kind of way that we should build it sort of scalably in, in, um, in space. Um, they gave us a list of materials which they consider to be Mars relevant. Okay and uh, basalt uh, is the rock which is very prevalent on Mars but you know o- also the moon and on earth as well um, but you know so so most of what you see on, on Mars the surface is basalt right um, mm. so we, we, we t- took that as a starting point um, thought about what material we should combine with that um, we actually asked NASA can we use PLA and, and the the sort of um, thinking on why that would be in Mars-relevant materials is because you can synthesize the PLA from, let's say, primitive agriculture. You might be growing on Mars, like uh, like algae, for example, or, or from the food waste um, that you know, that the astronauts uh, would be eating, or the plastics uh, that they would be disposing. And, and so we use those materials as the binding agent to hold the basalt together. So the thing about the PLA is the glue. Uh, the basalt is kind of like the aggregate. Um, yeah, and you know, so so the maybe the initial habitats you'd have to bring the the polymer agent with you mm. and combine with the regular. But once you start to have an infrastructure and you start getting, you know, astronauts and crews, you know, beginning to go, you know, to Mars and generating waste, needing food, having the sort of byproducts of, of sort of civilization is to basically take all that waste uh, and, and and combine it with the the raw On materials that the local resources that you find on Mars uh, to be able to print a scalable infrastructure,
1: but you you will also need some uh, some other um, components to build build a building, so to speak. You need uh, windows and and doors and 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 maybe some insulation insulation also. So, um, but but I I think that I've I've seen recently that there are so many things happening in the material. Uh, science only today i read about a, a new material 3d printed material that can form a, a kind of lattice or what what would you call it which is bulletproof actually <laughs> you can uh, right, so it's, right. it's 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 really exciting things are happening right now so i guess we'll and and this kind of uh space uh uh, dimension to all this uh, will inspire new technologies. Yeah,
0: and and I think it'll also make us completely rethink uh, what is a window. Um, you know, so so now now that we're building our Earth habitat, which we call Terra, um, you know, just outside of New York, and, and we're realizing, you know, the windows actually add a lot of cost, uh, you know, to the building. The the objective is to eventually be able to three D print low cost um, low cost structures. Um, uh, why, why don't we just three D print the window? Like, why 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 do we need to think of a window with, with that's something that's um, you know sort of inserted into an opening in a wall? Yeah.
1: What? Um,
0: so, yeah. So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because we can you know re- rethink a building uh, ground up. You know, and um, so so going back to my analogy, like you know when when the you know the Bauhaus and the European architects, you know, back in the beginning part of the twentieth century, really rethought architecture because they had this new technology at the time which was called manufacturing, right? And um buildings, you know, after that point <coughs> look nothing like buildings before that date. Um so now we have 3D printing and these new material possibilities. I, I think we're gonna see that next transformation in architecture where maybe a window isn't a window anymore.
1: And obviously as as you've shown, we also will see new type of architectural expression, so to speak. <laughs> Because these buildings don't have to look like the, the ones that we are building uh, today.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you know, some people ask me why why is Marsha round, why is Terra round? Th- those forms are actually a little bit easier to print, um, in, in particular our material, uh, because when it cools, it contracts, you know, and so having a round shape. Avoiding sharp corners is actually um, a better way to 3D print a building. You know, so, so once you change the technology, it makes sense that the product is going to change as well. And, and that's, that's what we're only beginning to understand is like, okay, now that you have the tech, what's the ideal product that you're making? Mm-hmm. Um, let's not force the technology into, a, into an old product.
1: Yeah, but and, and also, let's uh, remember that the original buildings that humankind has built were also round, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you, you, I read about this too, and because people ask me, are there any other benefits? And yeah, it's like for, you know, solar, solar, uh, passive solar, and you know, daylighting. Um, you know, the the acoustics on the inside of these spaces, the kind of like buoyancy of the air, the kind of natural convection within these circular, dome like buildings. You know, they, so there's a reason. Like you look at, you know, vernacular or indigenous architecture, you see these sort of like egg-like or hive-like, dome-like archetypes, you Mm. know, Um, because I think that, yeah, so so in in a way, yeah, I think like what we're doing with um, the 3D printing is sort of taking um, construction back to Stone Age in a very (laughs) high-tech mode, because it's about uh, using local resources, um, building very kind of like climatically and socially contextual buildings, right?
1: In what type of construction do you see the three uh, D printing technology as as most useful in the future?
0: You know, I, I guess it's you know not not all three D printing is alike. So I think there's definitely going to be a place for concrete three D printing, and it, it might be these sort of urban urban projects still, right? Um, or um, but in, in our in our case, I think that you know that. The, benefit of our system is that we can go, go off-grid. Um, this, this goes back to the space thing, because you know as a company, our mission is to be the first to build in space. Okay? Um, so that's still our goal. And, and when we think about that, that means we need to be able to go off-grid, uh, we need to control our equipment remotely, uh, we need to incorporate machine intelligence into the system, um, we need to learn how to harvest local resources as our print material. Mm. Um, so, so that makes our system ideal for printing on places on Earth which are kind of remote or are very ecologically sensitive. Um, so you know, now, as we've been sort of, say talking to our first customers, our first you know homeowners, like um, the use case really seems to be uh, sort of centered around like eco tourism, destination tourism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea about building in places um, where, where that you know that are off grid, the nature is pristine. Um, and, and that's a good starting point for us, because I think it, it's, it's an immediate fit uh, for the technology uh, as we work on how we scale up um, our process. You know? So once the, you know, and then let's say the, uh, you know, we, we get the print to be faster and cheaper and, uh, you know, all these good things. So like, you know, while, while we're working on that, we, we sort of, uh, you know, concentrating on this sort of initial use case uh, until we can say, Come back to the city, you know, with with the technology to collect a bunch of urban waste and 3D print a skyscraper, you know, like that. That day might be as far away as like building on Mars, but nonetheless, <laughs> that's the that's the end
1: So, so if you're going to build on Mars or moon on the moon, are you going to be uh, willing to go and, uh, to supervise the project on on, on site? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Personally, I would I would love to I would I would love to I would love to visit Mars. Um, but no, I, I certainly have to say, like as a as a kind of technology, what we're really trying to emphasize is the the amount of uh, automation that's involved. And um, because the ideal scenario would be to send the robot in advance, have the structure printed and pressurizing everything, finish before before people get in. So in construction terminology, to to do a turnkey solution, so it, the whole thing is like turnkey, and then the astronauts literally just get there and walk through the front door. Uh, would be where the technology wants to head. Um, so unfortunately, that means it doesn't need me to go supervise the construction on site. And I will be watching it remotely. <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yes, this has been a very interesting discussion, and I'm sure that our listeners would like to know more and see what you're doing actually you have a great visual presentations on your website for example but how can how can they find the information and how can they contact you
0: yes sure and anyone can go to our website uh, which is aispacefactory.com and email us at uh, contact at aispacefactory.com i actually check most of the messages so yeah, we look forward to hearing uh, from you and answering as many questions as we
1: can yeah, and hopefully we'll get one of your Terra project buildings here in Finland as well
0: absolutely I would I would love to see that um, <laughs> yeah I, I think it's a natural fit because when you when you talk about places on earth where you know nature is really important sustainability is high on the agenda um, some places that are they're hard to kind of access, and then you think about Finland, and, and, and especially the northern part of Finland, right? Uh three D printing this kind of space egg under the aurora would be kind of a beautiful transition between Earth and space.
1: So, David, thank you very much, and uh, and all the best for your project.
0: Okay, thank you, Arne. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.